This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Coming up later, the latest Greenbelt area around St Albans under threat from development. But first, at 8.30 on Saturday the 26th of March, it will be this year's Earth Hour. With people taking part in over 190 countries and territories around the world, it's a simple idea that we can all join in. I asked Joe Pritchard, who is campaigning for local participation in Earth Hour, to explain to us exactly what Earth Hour is about. Hi, Amanda. It's lovely to be here. Thank you. Earth Hour, it's a community-minded project which spreads across the whole world. It was started back in 2007 in Australia with the idea of switching your lights off just for an hour. But hey, why don't we see if we can get this to go global and see if other countries will take it up? You know, let's see how this goes. And I have to say, I was struck by the images from space in the first couple of years when you could actually watch lights going off around the world and you suddenly realise that you were connected to something. So I think the initial idea was absolutely brilliant. Here we are again with the opportunity to get this thing kicked off again because I just love it. Well, you sound very enthusiastic and when you describe it like that, it sounds like a lovely thing of being able, you know, showing solidarity for the earth, which you can see from space. That is amazing. So why do you think that demonstrating your support for the earth is, well, it's particularly important now, I suppose? I think it's incredibly important on all sorts of levels. I think there's the community around us which really needs building up again so we can connect by talking to our neighbours, by talking to our community about it and talking about environmental things around it because obviously switching off your lights for an hour is going to save some energy. Um, It also gives us a chance to, you know, maybe go a bit further and switch off your telly or just completely zone out and enjoy the peace and the darkness and be with each other. You might be with your family, you might be with some neighbours outside, whatever feels good and whatever feels connecting without having a device on, maybe some candles, lovely atmosphere. What's not to like? Well, Quite an experience like? for some people. <laughs> it, it does sound like it. And it sounds like, as, as well as demonstrating you know, support for care for the environment, you also see that this is a way of, of reconnecting with the environment and the people around you as well. Yes, absolutely. There's so many things that you can do, but you know, may, maybe we'll come on to that later. I think talking to people and and then imagining that people all around the world are doing it, obviously different time zones. So there's this wave of the lights turning out as the the globe turns is quite an inspiring thing. Um, I believe there's been a a little symbol 
produced for electronic devices so that we'll be able to download that and put it on our profile for the for the hour or maybe for the whole day so that that again reminds people um, and hopefully a lot of local businesses are on board and will be turning their lights out for that hour as well. So any ideas how to make this um, a bit more fun and effective just for us at home? Oh well there's all sorts of things that you could do. Um, I've mentioned earlier you know getting together with a few neighbours outside or inside if you like. If you've got small children who maybe ought to be in bed perhaps you could watch a just watch a video on some environmental theme and talk to them about why you're turning the lights off or you know watch a movie like Don't Look Up or something that that connects you to what's going on and and how we can all get together and maybe think more about what we can do. Um, In the past I've sat outside with friends around a fire pit and just had a chat. During lockdown we we actually had a zoom outside (laughs) with our cameras pointed at fire pits or candles or something like that. Um, So I found that quite good fun. Go outside and look up at the stars because obviously with more lights out, less light pollution, you'll be able to see the stars much more brightly. Uh, You could even take a blanket and lie down and look out for bats maybe because they love it when when it's nice and dark as well. Or you could just play board games inside by candlelight. Really, an hour goes by so quickly. I'm sure it does, Joe. You've given us some lovely suggestions there for what I think sounds like a fantastic event. Remind us again, when um, and what time is Earth Hour? Earth Hour is one hour. It's usually the last Saturday of March. So this year it's the 26th of March from 8.30 to 930 Thank you so much for telling us about that, Joe. Oh, you're very welcome, and the more the merrier. As Joe explained, Earth Hour is a truly global event, and around the world, iconic buildings are plunged into darkness for it. Here in St Albans, the cathedral is supporting Earth Hour in dramatic style. Reverend Dr Kevin Walton explained why. You may know that the Church of England is um, committed to uh, a goal of Uh, a very ambitious goal of uh, net zero carbon um, by 2030. Um, And for for various years, we've also had an eco team, members of the congregation and the community who've taken various initiatives to profile the importance of the environment. So really, it's making a statement about um, our mission to care for the earth and to do what we can. So this is, and and this is joining um, in a much wider campaign of Uh, making an awareness of that. Okay. So can you tell us exactly what will be happening? Well, at that time, um, the vergers and volunteers go around and they make sure all the lights are switched off, including the outside lights of the cathedral. So it's, I suppose, a bit like a Sabbath moment, you know, in the in the in the Christian tradition or the uh, the Hebrew tradition as well. There's this idea that there's there's a time of rest. Uh, and it, it's it's sort of pausing and making space and slowing down and stopping um, for a bit as well. Okay. And what message do you hope that um, the the dimming of the lights at the cathedral? What what message do you hope that this will convey? 
I think it is about about that sort of um, paying respect for the earth and just being mindful of what we are consuming. I mean, I think at the moment we're more aware than ever of energy and gas and the fact it's limited supplies and it can be very fragile. And um, we need as a human race and a society to take stock and just to look at what we are consuming. So in a way, yeah, admittedly, this is, this is a, in some ways it's a gesture, but hopefully it's a gesture that will lead to the way that we think about things, really. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Okay, thank you. So whether you're part of a local faith group or business that has lights to switch off for Earth Hour, or like me, you'll just be at home switching off the lights and popping outside to see the stars, it's super easy to join in with Earth Hour. And just a reminder, it's Saturday the 26th of March at 8.30. Now last month you might recall I spoke to G Smedley of campaign group Save North St Albans Greebelt about their legal challenge to St Albans District Council over planning permission given to build houses on a field behind the houses on Harpenden Road. They're not alone in their quest to defend a Greenbelt area around St Albans. Paul King from the local action group Greenbelt, established back in 2014, emailed amanda at radioverolon.com to ask if he could join me on Environment Matters to talk about the campaign that he and his neighbours are having to protect land to the south of St Albans from development. I spoke to Paul and I started by asking him to explain exactly where the land is that he's concerned about. Uh, Yeah, the land is just south of the M10, uh, roundabout uh, from the roundabout if you head towards Radlett there's a BP garage shortly on your left and this land is opposite that on the right. Okay so n- nice and easy to spot and what's on that land at the moment? Well at the moment it's agricultural land a farmer rents it out and has been it's been farmed for many years certainly for as long as I've been here which is over 30 years it's a large field of about uh, 11 acres. And who's making this planning application and what are they proposing? Well, a developer called Scott Properties, in conjunction with the four landowners, have submitted the application. The proposal is for 95 houses and some periphery landscaping. From the owner's perspective, if they obtain planning permission, its value would increase considerably. They and the developer would then make a significant significant amount of money. I'm afraid that this is the normal motivation for such developments, with the local community's needs just an irritation. The developer is, is trying to argue that it's just a small, narrow strip of land which serves little Greenbelt purpose, but this simply is not correct. So you and the Greenbelt group, you're um, opposing this application. Why do you think that it should be refused? Well, the land is the only open space between Park Street and St Albans running alongside the Watling Street and its Greenbelt land. When the local plan was created, which was back in 1994, the council and the government inspector agreed that this land was important to maintain separation between Park Street and St Albans. In 2014, an application was submitted and went to appeal uh, to build houses on a smaller one-acre site adjacent to this. The the government inspector stated that this would result in an unacceptable erosion of a 12-acre rural gap. Now, this application would remove 11 of the 12 acres of this open countryside, so in effect, Park Street would be merged with St Albans. Excuse me if I go slightly technical for a moment, but the government has stated that there are five purposes of Greenbelt. This application would breach at least four, if not all five of these. 
The first three of these relate to checking the, the sprawl of large built-up areas, preventing neighbouring towns merging, and safeguarding the countryside from encroachment. This land has been effective in meeting these objectives for decades, but this development would provide the bricks and mortar for breaching all of them. The fifth is to assist an urban regeneration by encouraging the recycling of derelict land and other urban land. Well, this is exactly the opposite. Building on greenfield sites is precisely what Greenbelt was designed to prevent. Back in the 1950s, the government recognised that it wanted to regenerate areas and not allow developers to just build where they wanted to, which is exactly what this application does. Additionally, the National Planning Policy Framework states that the building should only take place on Greenbelt under very special circumstances. There are no very special circumstances in relation to this application. Yes, there's a housing shortage in and around St Albans, as there is in many towns in the southeast of England. But if this argument were used in relation to this land, it could be used in relation to Greenbelt land anywhere. There would be a chronic traffic issue. 95 houses would generate about 250 more cars using the top end of Watling Street. The section leading to the M10 roundabout is always busy and sometimes gridlocked now. With 250 more cars using this stretch, it would be gridlocked during any busy period. There's also a wildlife issue. At the moment, there's a one-acre rural uh, piece of rural land to the south of the land in question. This is preserved for wildlife by the owners and is teeming with deer, foxes, badgers and pheasants. Combined with the woodland and open land immediately to the west, it provides a fantastic habitat for wildlife. If this development proceeded and the open agricultural land were to disappear, this habitat would be badly disrupted. Amanda, there are so many infringements of the government's Greenbelt policy and other issues with this application that it should just be stopped in its tracks. Okay, so I I hear what you say, but as you yourself have acknowledged, but they, you know, there is an enormous demand for houses around St Albans and actually the government themselves have set targets for building more houses. And, you know, there's a lot of people, young people particularly around here, who just can't afford to buy a house around St Albans. So do you agree that we do need to build more houses somewhere? And if so, where should we be building these houses? Yeah, I, yes, I agree. We need more houses. But Phil, there's a lot more that could be done to regenerate areas which is, as I just mentioned, is exactly what the fifth stated purpose of Greenbelt is. Developers much prefer to build on open countryside because it is easier and cheaper for them. They don't have the costs of clearing waste, soil spillages, and aren't restricted by physical parameters. But surely what society wants is regeneration of rundown or little-used buildings, shops, offices, or industrial units. By regenerating, the developers would be cleaning up these sites at the same time, which is good for the environment. But the additional cost in doing this is precisely why they prefer to build on greenfield sites. COVID has changed the way that companies work and shop a shop. This is leading to a requirement for less office space and fewer shops. Surely there's an opportunity here to remodel some of these buildings, to provide the community with what it needs, quality housing, where there is an infrastructure in place. Okay, Paul. So if people want to join you in objecting to this planning application, how do they do so? Well, in the first instance, they could drop me an email at greenbelt at gmx.com. That's greenbelt at gmx.com. 
They can also go on the council's website, um, the planning website, and if they input the application number five stroke 2022 stroke 0267, that's 0267, they'll see the application, they'll see um, objections already raised, and they can uh, take a view and perhaps raise an objection themselves. Paul, thank you very much indeed for explaining all that to us. Okay, thank you. Thanks for having me on. And you've got until the 26th of March if you would like to comment on the planning application. I'll pop those details into the notes that accompany the podcast of this show, which you'll find on the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com. And whilst you're there, if you miss me talking to the CEO of Luton Rising, Graham Olver and St Albans Quietest Skies Chair, John Hale, about the expansion plans at Luton Airport, you'll find the podcast of that and all the other episodes of Environment Matters ready for you to listen to at your leisure. And if you've got an issue that you're concerned about or you would like me to cover, you too can email amanda at radioverulam.com. I'll be back at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening.